welcome back to Write Damn It with me, Zoe Richards, your host. This is the podcast for writers of all kinds who maybe get stuck with your writing. This podcast will help you get unstuck and help re-motivate you so that you get the writing done. Episode 81, and this is part three in putting yourself out there as an author. And this one is called Being Nervous. Now you might think, hang on Zoe, why aren't you calling it handling your nerves? Well, because being nervous is a normal state. There is nothing wrong with being nervous. So that is the first thing to acknowledge to yourself. There's nothing wrong in being nervous. If you are nervous about anything that you're doing to put yourself out there, I've got news for you. You're normal. Absolutely 100% normal. So I'm a shy introvert. I don't come across as a shy introvert. That's probably because over the years I have trained myself how to be in certain circumstances, certain situations. And so I don't come across as shy at all. And I think people are often quite surprised when I say that I'm an introvert. I'm probably now what's called an ambivert in that I have so many learned behaviours of an extrovert that I can be mistaken for being an extrovert. But in reality, I then need my downtime as soon as I've done stuff that is quite overwhelming for an introvert, you know, putting yourself out there, going out to events, doing stuff with loads of people around you. I need some downtime without talking to anybody at all. And sometimes that downtime is without reading a book either. I just need to be able to switch off and be on my own. So I know what it's like to be nervous and I know that it's normal to be nervous. I have had so many situations where I could describe to you how I reacted to being nervous. Let me tell you, when I did my very first few routines of stand-up comedy, my knees literally shook. I was in a dress the first time and it was just above the knee and my knees, I could feel them shaking and I'm convinced people could see that shake going on on my knees. I was in my 50s doing that and I was still nervous. I'd been on the stage loads of times. I'd done amateur dramatics in the past. I'd done loads of presentations on stage and yet doing the stand-up comedy because I was having to make people laugh, my knees shook physically shook. Okay, so you get it. Being nervous is normal and you're okay being nervous. I'd like you to think about forgiving yourself and being okay with being nervous. So instead of saying, I want to control my nerves, I want to stop being nervous, I'd love you to start saying to yourself, it's okay to be nervous. It's absolutely okay to be nervous. When I was first going on to stage, which would be, God, it must be going on for 40 years ago now. Someone said to me, if you're not nervous, you're probably being arrogant. I didn't know that I liked that because I didn't like the idea of the opposite of nerves being arrogance. But I think what the person was trying to tell me was that it's actually an important sign. Having those nerves is an important sign of whatever we're doing being quite important to us. So it genuinely is okay to be nervous. 
All right, I hope you've got that point. I think I might have labored it a bit much there. (laughs) So the next thing is, if you haven't already listened to episode 77, that's the first of the series of putting yourself out there as an author. I'd like you to go back and listen to that one because that's about being prepared. And one of the key things for us being able to be okay being nervous is to be prepared. So make sure you go back and listen to episode 77. I'll put the link into the show notes for you as well. So what can you do next? Well, I am going to guess that you gaslight yourself. So step one is being prepared. Step two is turn out the gaslight. And that is because we do all gaslight ourselves. Well, you know, I'm like this because I'm like this because I'm old. I'm like this because I had something happen to myself when I was younger and it wasn't a great experience going on stage. I just don't know what I'm doing. We're gaslighting ourselves. We're telling ourselves excuses for why we are the way we are. But actually, if we practice, then we don't need to gaslight ourselves. So I want you to turn that gaslight out. You don't need to be a victim. You can actually create a situation where you are victorious as somebody going onto a stage. So no more victim, absolute all being victorious. So you're going to put being victorious over being a victim. Okay, so turn out that gaslight. Stop telling yourself excuses as to why you can't go onto stage or why you are so nervous or why you're not going to put yourself out there. One form of gaslighting is, well, I've not got a publicist. I haven't been given that kind of a book deal where I get a publicist. So I I don't even get these opportunities to go on stage. And actually, that's better that way because I'm really nervous. Well, that's just gaslighting yourself. I have a publicist, but I'm telling you now, most of the things that I'm doing right now My publicist is doing loads for later on. So she's getting features for me in magazines and newspapers from about, no, it'd be May, I think, from May onwards. I think I've got to get things in for features in April. And then they're going to be in uh, magazines and in papers from May, June onwards. What's happening right now in relation to my novel and what I've been doing for the last couple of months, it's all about me. So I've turned out that gaslight, I've decided I'm going to be victorious and I'm ignoring the fact that I don't have masses of followers on Twitter, Twix. I don't have masses of followers on Instagram. I'm not really using Blue Sky or Threads or Facebook. I'm ignoring all the what's not working well for me and instead I'm saying, what can I do to help myself get out there? And as a result of that, I am starting to pick up opportunities that we're adding into what my publicist is doing for me. So it's really important to switch off that gaslight, stop gaslighting yourself and blaming other things and coming up with excuses as to why things are not going to work out well for you. And that's the same if you are self-published. You can be your own publicist. There are plenty of things you can do and leaving it until the last minute. So let's say your book's being published next week leaving it until this week to start publicising your book is too late. You can still do stuff, so it's not absolutely too late, but really the best thing to do is start now, whatever your publication date is. Start talking about your novel, start getting people talking about it for you so that you are not in a position to gaslight yourself. 
Okay, turning out the gaslight moves beautifully on to the next step, which is to move the goalposts for your limiting beliefs. Every one of us has limiting beliefs. If you are an author who's published six, eight, ten novels, you will still have limiting beliefs. There's a fabulous book called The Big Leap by, oh, Gay Hendricks, that's his name, Gay Hendricks, The Big Leap. And he talks about the fact that he coaches millionaires. And even with millionaires, they have upper limits around their income. So if I asked you now to think about what will you earn from selling your book? Actually, let's make it a bit easier because that's perhaps a, a little bit complicated. So let's instead think about how many copies of your novel are you going to sell? Now, some of you are going to think straight off of a figure around about 100, 200. Maybe some of you are thinking 1,000, maybe some thinking 10,000. Well, I've set myself a goal and I've actually been challenged to double it. I set myself the goal of I will sell 25,000 copies in the first six months. Now, I've been challenged by Mark DeVoe of the bestseller experiment to double that. He wants me to tell myself in the first six months, I will sell 50,000 copies. I've got an upper limit problem on that. So upper limit problem is something that is within the big leap. And so I know that I have got to work on that upper limit problem. What's the problem with me saying I'll sell 50,000 copies? If I tell myself I'll sell 50,000, I've now got to take actions to do that. Now, the same happens with putting yourself out there on going onto a stage, going on to, a, uh, to do a panel or to be interviewed, going onto radio, going onto a podcast. You will be telling yourself that you can't do it. You will have an upper limit problem because you have limiting beliefs. A beautiful book to read if you've never read it all about limiting beliefs is Jonathan Livingston Siegel, where Jonathan wants to fly and do acrobatics in the sky. And the other seagulls say, we don't do that. We only fly for getting food or to look for food. We don't fly for fun. And Jonathan Livingston Siegel sees that as a limiting belief and wants to go beyond that. So you can look at your limiting beliefs, identify what are your limiting beliefs about going on stage. I'll tell you one of mine. I'll go red and I will go red. I know I'll go red. I will start to blotch from the belly, belly button upwards when I'm going to go on stage. And I actually came to the conclusion a few years ago, I'm okay with that. That's what happens. That's what my body does when it's handling the adrenaline that's rushing through me. And okay, I don't like it, but it happens and I'm not going to allow that to be a limiting belief from going on stage. So have a think about what are your limiting beliefs? Are your knees going to shake? Are you going to get so that you go into the loo or throwing up beforehand? That's all part of your limiting belief. You can take Imodium and that will settle your stomach and you don't need to be using the limiting belief of I'm going to throw up, I'm going to have diarrhea. You can manage that. So identify what your limiting beliefs are so that you can move the goalposts of limiting belief. A great way that athletes use for this is they create their own mental movie reel. And I'd like you to play around with your own mental movie reel. Think of three to five truly triumphant moments in your life. Things that have gone particularly well for you. Maybe it's a job interview where it just everything just flowed and you got the job. 
Maybe it's a time where you asked a question at an event and afterwards somebody said to you, that was a great question. That was a good example of a triumphant moment. You can come up with all kinds of triumphant moments. They don't have to have been you going on stage, although You know what? If you've got an example of a triumphant moment when you've been on stage, put that into your mental movie reel. And what I want you to do when you've identified three to five triumphant moments, I want you to start playing those over in your mind and play them over again and again and again until it becomes a natural habit for you to tap into that mental movie reel so that you can remember those moments when something went really, really well for you. And the more we do that, and as I say, athletes use this all the time, they actually create a brand new experience within their mental movie reel as well. So they imagine themselves being first across the line. They imagine themselves jumping the furthest that they've ever jumped in their life at all. I did it when I was doing, uh, so I'd never run more than six miles and I decided I was going to get dropped off at my mum's and then I was going to run home to ours and that was eight miles. In order to do it I did two things. One was I imagined myself running the whole way not stopping once and so I was then able to visualize every stage of the route me running and the other was I gave myself a mantra. I am fit, I am strong, I can run all this long. And I would say that to myself leading up to going to do this eight mile run. Now, what I can tell you is not only did I run eight miles, when I got to Southport, the town that I live in, I ran a further two miles around Southport and actually ran 10 miles. And yet I had never done that before. And I was able to do it because I created this mental movie reel and attached to it a mantra. And I actually can't remember any other thoughts on that run that I did that was 10 miles other than using that that mantra that I've just told you about. Okay, so using those mental movie reels, they help us to move the goalposts on our limiting beliefs. Every time you do something brand new, going onto stage, going onto a podcast, doing a radio interview, being part of a panel on on an event, every time you do one of those and it goes well, add that into your mental movie reel. That helps you to remember the things that go well for you. Now, there's then something that I want to add into this that is one of the things that I encounter from people where they tell me what makes them nervous. And so that is know your honesty. Now, this isn't about lying. It's about knowing what's your stopping point with your honesty. I may have said before on the podcast, so I'm a suicide survivor. When I do events for my novel, which has a theme through it of mental health, I don't want to talk about what led to me wanting to take my life. I don't want to talk about the build-up to the suicidal ideation. What I want to talk about is the recovery process. So what's my honesty? That I will respond to somebody, and I've already rehearsed this. The reason why I wanted to take my life isn't actually as important as what I did in the recovery process. And so let's have a talk about that. And that's how I will switch things. I've got a number of examples of the way that I'm going to answer that question if somebody asks me. So what's your honesty? What will you share? And make sure that you've practiced that so that you don't have to be nervous 
at answering the questions that you don't actually want to give an answer to. Alongside that, another thing that people tell me that makes them nervous is that they won't know the answer to a question. So the next step is to listen and pause. What we tend to do when we're listening to other people is we our brain is preparing what we're going to contribute as an answer. Now, when you do that on radio, what you'll find is you'll have a tendency to then talk over the interviewer. Same on a podcast. So you'll be finding yourself trying to talk over the other person. People, when they're listening, will tune out. They zone out when they can't distinguish one voice from the other. So by listening, and it's active listening rather than active answering. So you listen to what's being said and listen to what is being asked of you and pause before you give the answer. By doing that, you're actually allowing your brain to come up with what the answer is and you will give a far better, far stronger response purely because you use the listen and pause technique. So that is a very powerful way of reducing your nerves because now you're not trying to think of the answer on your feet. You're only listening and pausing and then your brain will know what the answer is. Now, what happens if you don't know the answer? Well, here's a very simple technique you can use, and this is one to practice. Practice it with somebody else before you find yourself on a stage, because it's a beautiful way when your nerves have got the better of you and you can't think of the answer. And the way you respond is, that's a really interesting question, and I'm not sure I know the answer to that. What would your answer be? And push it back at the interviewer, or push it on to somebody else who's on the panel. And that way... You've either got the chance to come up with an answer or you've simply sidestepped it because you haven't got a response. So let's say that uh, you're asked, what was the inspiration for your novel? And you can't, your brain's going, oh my God, I've just gone blank. I cannot think what the inspiration was for my novel. Then you simply go, do you know what? That's a really interesting question. What was the inspiration for your novel? And they will then answer that. And you can then go, do you know what? That's fascinating because the inspiration for mine was and you're then ready with your answer. And so then we come on to the last bit that you can use. Actually, you know what? I'm going to give you another last bit. So I'm going to give you two more. So the next to last one is take up space. This is something that's particularly important for women. Men growing up as boys are encouraged to take up space, but there are some men who still find it difficult to take up space And many, many women struggle to take up space. What I think sad is that even today's generation, younger generation, also have been educated into not taking up space. We deserve to take up space. But rather than telling you to develop confidence, I'm not going to say that to you. What I want you to do instead is to develop courage. Be courageous in taking up space. And being courageous means that it's okay for you to speak. It's okay for you to be on the stage. It's okay for you to be present. Take up space and allow yourself the right to take up space. Allow yourself the courage to be nervous and take up space on the radio on a podcast. If you sat there and thought to yourself, I'd love to be on the Right Damn It podcast, but Zoe wouldn't be interested. Well, first off, that's a limited, limiting belief of yours. But secondly, why wouldn't I be interested? 
why shouldn't you take up space on this podcast? So if you want to be on the podcast, get in touch with me. If you've published your novel, that is. If you haven't yet published your novel, stick it on your wish list. Because absolutely, you deserve to take up space. You deserve to be on the podcast. And that goes for other podcasts out there as well. Why shouldn't you take up space? Why shouldn't you be on the radio? Why shouldn't you be on the panel? You don't need that limiting belief and you do deserve the courage to take up space. So I said I came up with another one just in that last moment, which is your very last step with this is practice. Practice being nervous. If you go to events, ask questions. I always challenge myself to ask questions at events. And you know what? Every single time I'm nervous, but I do it because it helps me to develop that courage, to move my limiting beliefs, to turn out the gaslight. It helps me to add in to my triumphant moments and my mental movie reel. So it's okay for you to ask questions as part of your way of practicing being on stage. And then accept the offers, the opportunities that present themselves to you. If you can get to events where you are on the billboard, I don't know if we call it a billboard when it's an event, but if you can get to be at events, take those opportunities. Yeah, sure, it might be difficult for you to travel to some places, but it's still worth it. You can find solutions to be able to get over some of the limiting beliefs of things like, it's too difficult because of the kids, it's too difficult because of my caring responsibilities. There are people who would love to help you. So look for the ways in which you can practice by being on stage, being at your local library, going to your local bookshop and Maybe to start off with, you're simply having a table there so that you can sign copies of your book when people come in. And people do pick up books off the table when you're sitting there. I've done it. I've done it many times where I had no intention when I went into a bookshop. I've seen somebody sitting there at a table. I've got talking to them about what their book is about and I've bought a copy that's been signed. So it's worth doing that kind of thing as well. Okay, there you go. That's all about being nervous. And remember, it is okay to be nervous. It is a natural part of your body handling what's going on with that adrenaline rush. So it's okay to be nervous. I hope you found that helpful. Please share this series with other authors that you know, because it is actually landing well. I've had people say to me, where was this last year? Where was this when I needed it? So seriously, it's worth sharing with other people that you know so that they can help themselves put themselves out there. Okay, so may the words flow for you. Happy writing and I will see you on the next episode. Thank you.